I am your host, Steve, and I am joined by Kevin, and together we are doing a complete and methodical review of the Christopher Nolan uh, 2020 epic high concept. (laughs) Damn it. Uh, Time travel film Tenets. We're doing a minute-by-minute analysis of the film by conducting our own temporal pincer movement. I'm on the red team moving forward through the film, and Kevin's on the blue team. I'm sorry. I'm I, I messed yeah. that up. I'm not doing it again, but I messed it up, and that's my bad. It's okay. It's it's only the like most important movie that was released in 2020. <laughs> that's probably true. <laughs> that is. I probably think it true. was like outgrossed by like Sonic the Hedgehog, which came out in like February of 2020, pre-pandemic. Oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Just quickly, I'm I'm curious. Top box <laughs> office of 2020. <laughs> Jim Carrey just crushing the box office even in uh even in 2020. And that like was the last movie he ever made, right? I didn't I never saw Sonic, but I know I know Jim Carrey's in it. For 2020. This can't be right. Box office mojo ranks Bad Boys for Life 1917 and Sonic the Hedgehog. I don't remember those first two coming out in 2020. I feel like I saw 1917 in in 2019. I I saw it in a theater. I know I saw yeah. that in a theater. But like maybe it was still going. Oh, it was yeah. December December 25. So yeah, that's it. Wow. So they start counting. When do they start counting? Is it on Christmas? Well, I would imagine no. I would imagine they start counting January first. But even though it was released in December, it probably still made more money through January, February than other movies. That makes sense, actually. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, I'm just gonna go through these. Uh, going uh, number, we're start at number one, and I'll stop when I hit Tenant. Bad Boys for Life, January seventeenth, uh, nineteen seventeen, December twenty fifth. Sonic the Hedgehog, Jumanji the Next Level. That was mostly a streaming hit from what I remember. <laughs> what says Rise of Skywalker on here? What the hell is going on? Yeah, that came out in December too. Wow. Okay, Birds of Prey. Uh, Doolittle. Little Women. Also a December release. Invisible Man. The Call of the Wild. Also, well, most of these are uh, have e- either came out in 2019 or were streaming. Call of the Wild was a big streaming, I think. Onward, it's a Disney picture. That's number yeah, 11. It's a popular one in this house. Tenet. What's number 12? 12. 12. Okay. Knives Out and Frozen 2, rounding out the. I love that you're. Uh, starting hypothesis could not have been more wrong. <laughs> that... Well, Sonic, I, I thought it was like Sonic and then Tenet. <laughs> you forgot but about the calendar grows. Oh, I, I, let me switch it to year in release. That's going to change things. Okay, that will change. Does things. not change much. <laughs> yeah, like now it goes to like number eight, nine. Yeah, nine. <laughs> 
<laughs> so it just got rid of like all those ones we talked about, like 1917 that was released in uh, 2019, but um, did well in the beginning of the year. Yeah. Bad Boys for Life. Bad Boys for Life is still up there. Yeah. Sonic, yeah. Birds of Prey, Doolittle, Invisible Man, Call of the Wild, Onward, Crudes, Tenet, and then Wonder Woman 98, 90, 90, 84. Sorry. <laughs> well, there you go. A okay. uh, little, well, uh, little, little, little 2020 throwback for y'all. All right. Well, welcome. It is episode <laughs> 57 of our journey. We're almost at the one hour mark, if you can believe it, which is two hours and 10 at time. Um, <laughs> or at least podcast time. Um, yeah. Should I kick things off? Yeah, let's go. Uh... So I'm at 5621. Um, we're picking up where we left off last week on the yacht when Seder... Uh, surprises cat with oh hey just kidding i have the drawing that you know Mm -hmm. i still have all this leverage over you uh so be submissive again and um she's staring intensely at it uh satyr said something like that's how i built this life you no longer value um that's where we left off last week okay that's actually like the first four seconds uh of (laughs) this week there's no there's no more dialogue and then we get to fifty six twenty five, and we have a new scene, uh, and it's the it's the we protagonist. Going Are we we're, going we're, sailing? We're going sailing. <laughs> and boy, have I done my research. Um, we are we're on the dock, which means it must be eight a.m. because the protagonist uh, is is a good boy and shows up on time. Uh, a little dinghy approaches the dock, and uh, <laughs> there's like Cat and Sater. They're like on the back bench, sitting as far apart as possible. <laughs> which I love. They're like all geared up and ready to go. And then there's a driver and then there's Volkov in a full, <laughs> in a full like three piece suit. <laughs> <laughs> so I love that too. Um, then, uh, and then the next scene is the, the boat pulling away. Um, the protagonist looks over to Seder. He's sitting in the middle of the bench and he says, sailing or diving? Because <laughs> the gear is like so extensive. And uh, Seder just kind of like smirks and tosses him a helmet. And then the pro looks over at Cat. <laughs> and I feel like um, we need to screenshot this 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 look of Cat. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have never seen someone so stone cold <laughs> <laughs> looking straight ahead. Uh, I cannot emphasize enough how just unhappy she looks in this scene. Yeah, because she feels like she's been fucked over by oh. like like the protagonist was using her to get it and also <laughs> screwing up her shit. Yeah, she yeah like she, there there's probably like two people she wouldn't she'd rather not be next to right now. <laughs> like the protagonist, <laughs> the protagonist lied, and you know Sater's an asshole. <laughs> Going out in one of the most precarious of <laughs> vehicles. <laughs> right traveling at high speeds (laughs) yeah uh honestly like her facial expression gave me anxiety (laughs) Mm -hmm. um i feel like there's there's dialogue in the script here that's not in the movie no there's there's like very little dialogue here so go ahead i want you to get to your first line and then i'll know how much was cut out i don't have much dialogue here Uh, i think the dialogue actually starts (laughs) next minute when they start talking about the opera 
Um, yeah. But that, that doesn't happen in this minute. Oh, okay. So we'll find out next minute then. Oh. Okay. <laughs> so then, and then we have an overhead shot of the sailboats side by side. And then that like uh, very tenant esque music starts. It's like this like synth thing. It's really cool. Um, all right. Now, before we get on the boats, the sailboats, let's, I've got some fun facts about these catamarans. Oh, <laughs> catamarans, okay. by the way, not sailboat. FYI. Uh, these things are called the F-50. They're only eight of them in the world that were built. They cost $4 million a piece. Uh, the two in the movie belong to the Japanese and U.S. racing teams. They were uh -huh. in England for a race um, in 2019. And immediately following that race, they filmed this scene. There are... Uh, two sailing athletes actually maneuvering the boats during the during the shots. Rome, Cur Rome Kirby and Tom Slingsby, the no, most sailing Slingsby. names, the most <laughs> the, the most sailing names you've ever heard. Uh, and this is the most interesting thing for close ups and like the dialogue in the scene. They built a replica F-50 hull and put it on top of another boat. Yeah, to actually do that because like filming dialogue while these things were moving was just like not possible. Yeah, it's like when they have to do a car scene in real life and it's really not a car. It's just being like towed <laughs> or it's like yeah. a fake car on the back of a flatbed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, so I thought that was uh, that was pretty cool because it's such a small scene, too. It's like <laughs> I know and it must have cost a fortune, right? Because like, yeah. Um, there are a lot of shots of the, of the boats like maneuvering and, and whatnot. And like, that's real. Like they actually took the, these out. Oh yeah. They, they have, um, like it's the U S team sale and the Japanese team sale that's normally on the boat, but they replaced it. They actually replaced it for the movie. So the movie hmm. must've, you know, bought sales for these things, which are not cheap. Oh, and, God, yeah. and as you see, like, as they, as they, they maneuver, like these are really sophisticated catamarans. <laughs> This is not your uh, your Sunday catamaran out in the lake. Yeah, I've casually stumbled onto like ESPN sailing channel like <laughs> in my life and or like in a hotel when there's nothing really to watch. And it, it's an exciting sport, but it's very much a rich person sport. I used to work with a guy who uh, was, you know, also rich and competitive, <laughs> competitively sailed. <laughs> That's a crazy kind of rich. <laughs> That's like some McDuck money. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if he had McDuck money. Um, he was working but just just to be a part of that world. Even yeah, yeah. where that is an option. <laughs> yeah, I, I I agree. Um, all right. Well, let's keep going. I'm at yeah. fifty six fifty one. So we're thirty seconds into my minute already, and then we get the first close up of Cat on the boat. She's like hanging off the side. And it looks like she's working really hard. Um, <laughs> and then like you, we zoom out a little bit and she has the wheel. So she's steering this thing. Um, then we see the pro uh, up front and he's turning some cranks, which I think is, are moving the sails. Mm -hmm. uh, and then Seder is like in the middle. Right. But they're, they're like, you know, front to back. Right. So they're like kind of in a line on one side of the catamaran. Uh yeah, so there's cranks, cat yells, rising, 
and actually I should have done more research because I don't understand the mechanics of these these boats, but she pulls the wheel like like the throttle of a motorcycle kind of pull. Oh. And the catamaran lifts out of the water. Yeah, they fly. That's, so like how yeah, like how does that work? What like what's happening there? I it it pulls the hull out of the water so there's less resistance on the hull and it can go faster. But what's Where's the buoyancy coming? Or is it just flying the keel. of the sails? The keel is attached to the boat, but it's way lower. The keel? Yeah, the keel. I don't know what a keel is. It's the center point of gravity on a boat. It's normally, on a regular like dinghy, it would be the center line going down the boat. And it would be like the heaviest point. But like the catamaran is like two floating sides, right? And there'd be two keels, I guess. So there's I don't two know. Maybe keels. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Again, like 20 minutes of watching a sailing competition on ESPN, the Ocho, whatever. <laughs> Damn it, Kevin. I thought you were going to come prepared with answers here. <laughs> do, you, do you know there's a real ESPN, the Ocho now? Oh, really? It's real. It's a real channel. And it has like silly sports on it. Like, like sailing or I feel like sailing no. is probably not silly enough for the Ocho. No, I saw two sports on it. It was um, running up slippery stairs. That sounds... <laughs> I I've forget s- what the other one was. was oh, it, like... it was competitive tag. Oh, wow. Competitive tag. I thought you were going to say cornhole. I think that's on TV now, it, too. It's, it's got to be. If they're doing slippery stairs <laughs> racing. Yeah, can you imagine training for that or like going to a gym and like oiling up the stairmaster and someone's like uh, sir what are you doing I'm, I'm you know from what i watched it was all like internet personalities like stripper type celebrities that were just competing it was not like professional athletes it was just like uh i'm, tra- <laughs> it was like, I'm training yeah i'm training i don't think they trained i think they just but yeah i know how how to play tag uh yeah that's amazing that's amazing um anyway this is just about the end of my minute uh so cat yells rising she pulls the wheel the catamarans magically float out of the water uh the protagonist looks back at like satyr and and cat and goes woo. Um, he's having a good time. He's having a good time. Good time was had by all. I remember this scene just standing out as being odd, an odd, like, excuse to just get on these very expensive, weird sailing boats. And But it also very much feels like something that would happen in a James Bond movie. Well, there's a purpose to it, which we'll get to yeah. in my minute. So, like, there, there is... There there's is a, an action-y scene that happens. Yeah. Well, there's, there's a plot purpose, too, right? That's the thing. Oh, okay. I, I think I have some dialogue that was cut out, definitely, that might add to the scene a little bit here. Um, There's dialogue in my next minute on the boat. Oh, okay. So okay, so I'll save it then. Yeah, let's let's save it just in case it's it's covered in in my next minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't want to blow our wad here. No, I don't want to give away the ending. <laughs> <laughs> or shall we say the middle? <laughs> Anyway, uh, you're up. I'm done. Uh, okay, you're up. <laughs> you are up. <laughs> They're in the Mediterranean. I guess that's true. Um, <clears throat> okay, we're back in the turnstile. 
<laughs> Naturally. We are um, on the red side of the turnstile. Uh, Ives, his crew, Cat is um, on the stretcher being worked on by the paramedics. Um, there's a conversation going on about her condition. Um, uh, Neil is kind of backed up from this situation. I want to look at like why he like is so far away from the conversation later. He's like pressed up against the proofing window. Well, the protagonist is very concerned about cat hovering over the medics and Ives is there, um, you know, commanding the scene. Um, uh, I know that uh, the protagonist and Neil just had a conversation about where the 241 wound up and what he said to Sater in the interrogation. So that just happened. Then um, Neil says uh, this to Ives about Cat uh, after overhearing the medic talking about her condition is not very good. He says, can't you stabilize inverse radiation by inverting the patient. So stabilizing inverse radiation. She is a uninverted person shot by an inverted bullet that went through her. And apparently she has inverse radiation from the inverted object tearing through her body that will be stabilized if she herself is inverted inverting the inverse radiation can we just say right sizing the radiation <laughs> right size would it right size the radiation though i don't know uh whatever the equivalent of right sizing inverted objects are if i want to be radiated wouldn't i want to be inversely radiated so that it leaves if i, I... invert it wouldn't it be just regular radiation um I mean, radiation is the expulsion of heat from <laughs> disintegrating atoms, right? Um, yeah, sure. So <laughs> we all know that. So, like, I'm nodding. My dog's nodding over there. Yeah, we understand how radiation works. <laughs> so the inverse of that would be something becoming more stable by 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 sucking in the the energy around it. I, I'm not, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a physicist, <laughs> but I don't think this adds up. <laughs> Again, it's one of those things that just happens so quickly and everybody just agrees to it. So it's like, yeah, sure. Yeah. That will work. But what, what they want you to walk away with is that, no, yeah, she'll live longer if we invert her. Exactly. Yeah. I understand the, the wound closing up if you invert her, right? Um, oh, wow. Wait, wow, I had, I had does that make sense? That. I don't know. Why is yeah, she I on the? She's not inverted, but she's on the wrong side of the glass. Have we talked about this? I have to figure that out too. <laughs> okay, I noted that, and I was like, "Am I going to tackle that now, or should I tackle <laughs> that in my next minute?" Because how did she get? She was on the other side of the glass. There's some maneuvering here because, like, they have to invert her, but they don't want to invert themselves at this point anymore because they're already. I... I think they go into the other. I think Ives teams goes into the other side, the blue side, and takes her out into the red side. Yeah. Okay. I think that's what happens. But they have to go around because they like they all yeah. go through. 
They go through yeah. after this. Yeah. Right. And then. But Cat, they're all on the blue side and Cat's body was not on the blue side. Right. So so at this point, they're all inverted except for Cat. And now they have to go and invert Cat. No, they're not inverted. They're all regular. Don't they, they don't go through, go through the turnstile. They go the opposite way. So they don't invert her. I thought they go through the turnstile. Where do they come from? <laughs> they go through the turnstile after this, definitely. Okay. I guess I'm, I might be actually a little, yeah, I'm confused. I'm confusing your timeline right now. So I might be wrong. Yeah. Ives teams just storms the turnstile. They show up out of nowhere. From the conventional, <laughs> they do show up out of nowhere, but they storm it through the conventional door. Right, yeah, okay. As Sater's getting into the machine. Right, to just disappear. And he basically just, to their perspective, disappears, but that means that but he's also, the protagonist was also just having an entire conversation with him. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, I know. I have some stuff. I have some homework to do <laughs> on how this is all set up. It's not easy. But no. all you need to know is they're all there on the blue side having this conversation. Um, uh, Neil says to Ives, can't you stabilize the inverse radiation by inverting the patient? Ives says that takes days. Protagonist points to the turnstile and says, let's go. Ives says we can't. Uh, he says, we took control of this machine minutes ago. Before that, it's satyrs. Meaning that, so if they invert themselves, they're just going to run into Seder, who was just here minutes ago. I mean, they they're, they look more armed, so why not do that? <laughs> but it didn't happen, right? It can't. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I, I, I think it can actually, right? Because they're trying to avoid it, so clearly it can. But we just saw what happened and we didn't see Ives team show up until later. Yeah. So what really happens is during that whole interrogation scene through the proving glass of the window on the opposite side, Ives, Neil, Kat, or guys are all hiding in the background of that scene. Ugh. I know it's a pain in the ass to think about it this way. <laughs> We're cursed with this knowledge of watching this movie. <laughs> All right, so Ive says we took control of this machine minutes ago before that at Satyrs. Protagonist says, how long will she live on this side? The medic says, three hours, tops. It says here the protagonist thinks. <laughs> but in the movie, there's just no, there's almost like seconds no, between this, these. There's no uh, time to think. <laughs> no, there's no even time for like a close-up shot of like looking around or anything. Uh, the, protagonist, uh, the protagonist says, I'll take her through. I'm not going to let her die. I'll take my chances. And this is where the first uh, part of the script is cut off. Um, there'll be several of this. Uh, I think it's just done for speed and timing. So at the end of that sentence, he says, I'll take my chances out there. But they cut that out because that, I, I guess that doesn't make sense. Ives' next thing is in the script, he says, chances of what? Uh, they cut that out. And instead, he just says the next sentence he says in the script is, we've got no way to bring you back. Protagonist says, we find another machine. Ive says, a week ago, where? Uh, protagonist looks at Neil. And in the movie, 
it's the protagonist that says Oslo in the script. It's Neil who says Oslo. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, Ive says that facilities inside an airport security perimeter. It's impregnable, which is just a little deviation of what the script says. It's different. Um, the protagonist says not last week. It wasn't. We're going in. You might as well help. Just quickly. Like that's how we go from like the crazy. If we invert her, it'll stabilize the radiation. And then all that's brushed aside so quickly with just uh, setting up the next 30 minutes of movie, which is we're going back to the Oslo airport scene. (laughs) It's like, it's it's like the riskiest mission possible. (laughs) And they decide on a dime. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. Do they all have to be invert? Couldn't they invert her? Well, they have to be inverted to transport to, her. To, trans- to go back yeah. in time. You're right. Yeah. yeah, because if they invert her, she'd just be on the other side of the... Oh, it would just be awkward. <laughs> yeah, and they'd be like, oh, wait, where'd she go? Oh. <laughs> like, Seder walks out of the turnstile and bumps into her. <laughs> like, this is There's three cats over here. <laughs> and they're all shut. <laughs> 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 so that would be my script for this movie is in the end they'd all just be coming out of turnstiles tripping over each other some going in the wrong way <laughs> that's just that's a that's a rick and morty episode i think exactly yeah. <laughs> um, okay but says not last week it wasn't we're going in you might as well help <clears throat> okay uh and then Ives immediately goes into if there's some points in the script that don't happen here, like says Ives shakes his head, joins in as they carry cat towards the vault door. Um, but in reality, in the movie, it's all just movement. Um, Ives jumps right into his speech. Um, this is the proving window. As you approach the turnstile, if you don't see yourself through the proving window, do not enter the machine, which is finally explains what that window is mm-hmm. doing there, um, which will be very useful information when we discuss the interrogation scene that goes on between the window. Right. Which I have to, I'm, I have to discuss from like three different viewpoints. That's a confusing scene. It's so it's yeah, that I'm not ending that for myself. <laughs> okay, I thought you were going to be there this week, by the way, I can't believe there's another minute in between. Is yeah. I think there's week? another minute before I even get to, because oh, first wow. I have to go through Seder's perspective then I have to do the protagonist's perspective. Oh, wow. Okay. It's at least two or three minutes there. Um, so protagonist asks, why not? And Ive says, if you haven't seen yourself in the... No, never mind. I'm not doing the accent. If you haven't seen yourself <laughs> reverse exit the machine, you won't be getting out. Um, in the film, next the protagonist says... Is that going to work? Ives points to the window and they see the team exiting uh, or reverse entering the machine as they're walking into it, which proves that it's working. And and Ives says, let's go. And then they get into the machine. <laughs> what um, happens What happens when you see yourself leaving and then you say, ah, no, nah, never mind. I'm not going to go in now. <laughs> I know. Right. It, it's a paradox. <laughs> Which is, you know, 
in my first viewing of the movie, I kept thinking, oh, that's going to happen at some point. Ah, okay. And this is never done. Like, there's these things that are set up usually in time travel movies where it's like, you know, uh, you know, don't know too much about your future. Don't come in contact with your future self. And a lot of that just is in this movie, but also doesn't happen. Is it safe to say Back to the Future did it best? Yeah, my kids are actually rewatching that series, and they were really enjoying it. It's timeless. It's so good. I can't wait to watch that with my kids, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's a film that still holds up no matter what generation you're in. Um, I wanted to go back to Ives' thing, um, because he makes a big point about the order that they get in and get out. Um, so after he says, if you haven't seen yourself reverse exit the machine, you won't be getting out. And then he goes, okay, first in, last out. Get into this turnstile, pass through. I'll already be there with her. Huh. Okay. And then the protagonist says, is that going to work? Um, Ives pauses, watching the activity on the other side of the window. Ives points, says, yeah. The protagonist turns to see himself on the other side of the glass, moving in reverse, wheeling Cat towards the vault door. So I, I think what's happening here is they imagined in the script the turnstile would be smaller, one person at a time kind of turnstile. Okay. And I think in, that's why they made a big deal of who goes in at what first in, last out. I, I don't know. Was that really? I guess just continuity, right? Because. Yeah. Like they, if they yeah. each had to take a turn going through the turnstile. That would also take up a lot of movie time. Right. And also, this also helps explain that it can fit a car in there. Yeah. Um, so it's everybody, everybody gets in at once. We see, we follow the protagonist as the thing turns and they get out in the reverse order uh, that they got in. Um, uh, it would be very tricky if you had to do it one at a time. And it's like, okay, Ives is saying he'll already be there. How? No, that couldn't work. If Ives is on the one side, the protagonist gets in with Cat all alone. When he gets out, Ives wouldn't be on the other side. Or would he? I think I know what happens, but I think we need to get to your next minute to figure it out. Yeah. I think they go around the other side. They get her, they put her on the stretcher, and then they all go through together. I think that's what happens. That is what happens. But what I'm saying is what were they envisioning in the script where Ives was already going to be on the other side of the turnstile? Oh, I, I don't know. Aren't they all on the other side? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, they all go through point. together in yeah. the movie, but in the script, they had a plan on each one of them going in turn. Yeah, I think you're right. First in last out. I whatever. Okay. I don't know. I, I was just very confused by that part of the script, but it wasn't done in the movie, so it doesn't matter. And then we're in, the, that's the beginning of my next minute that we already discussed where the protagonist comes out of the turnstile and then goes on his little bit of the car chase. Well, there you have it, folks. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> um, well, cool. Thank you all for listening. Uh, this has been episode 57 of Tenant Men. Uh, if you've enjoyed this program, please take a moment to follow, rate, review on whatever service you found us on. And rest assured, we will continue our temporal pincer movement of this film next week. And until then, we'll meet you at the beginning. I'll see you at the beginning, friends.